Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome, NCLEX High Yielders. This is Dr. Zeeshan, and I'm the host of NCLEX High Yield Podcast, where we will be giving out daily content for your exam, tips and tricks that the boards love to ask, and overall general information on how to study, what to study, and complex topics broken down for you. Whether you're a first-time test taker or even a repeat test taker, we have helped people across the globe pass their NCLEX exams, so do not give up and get motivated. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast and also visit our Instagram at NCLEX High Yield, at NCLEX High Yield, where you can DM us questions so we can answer them on the podcast. Also, check out our website www.nclexhighyield.com and subscribe to receive a link to our weekly free Zoom session. Free Zoom session where I drop all types of content, break down complex topics and make them easy for you to understand every Wednesday, 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. See you guys then. Take care. So what's the difference between rheumatoid arthritis and osteoarthritis? Think about this. The presentation yeah, there is some similarities. The joint pain, of course, the female predominance, age, things of that nature. So there's a lot of overlap that can happen. So a great way for the boards to ask you questions. However, one happens as wear and tear, while the other one is an autoimmune disease. Let's learn about the disease process first. So it's autoimmune, meaning what? Our own immune system is causing this damage. We've got elevated inflammatory markers. What are some risk factors that are going to lead to rheumatoid arthritis? Because what do I say? Risk factors and signs and symptoms are your select all that apply questions, okay? Those are going to be a good makeup of your select all that apply. So what are some risk factors? Gender family history or genetics, good. Smoking, positive rheumatoid factor, anti-cyclic citrinulated antibody, AB is antibody. And this is going to be your most specific test that you can do. So this is the one that we're going to want to do. And then obviously an elevated ESR. You see these different things. So what we can test for is we can test for a positive rheumatoid factor. Great. That will that will help us diagnose it. But right off the bat, we don't necessarily want to go right into rheumatoid factor or the anti-cyclic citrinulated antibody because when a person presents, they're going to present with these signs and symptoms of joint pain, maybe fatigue, maybe fever, and I'll go through those signs and symptoms. But we want to do an easier test, a cheaper test. So what we want to do is we want to do an ESR. And what is that? That's an erythrocyte sedimentation rate. With the erythrocyte sedimentation rate, what it's saying is you're saying erythrocytes, so that's your red blood cell. Sedimentation is how fast it falls to the bottom of your tube, and the rate is actually how fast it falls, right? So why do we do this test? We do this test in inflammatory processes. 
So it's not specific. It's not specific to rheumatoid arthritis. But in any inflammatory process, we can do this test because it is cheap, it's fast. Because what happens is when we have an inflammatory process in our body, we release fibrinogen, which is an inflammatory marker. And that fibrinogen, it binds to the RBCs and to your red blood cells. So now that red blood cell that was floating around has this inflammatory marker attached to it. It's made it heavier. It's made it heavier. When you have this inflammatory process in your body, any inflammatory process in your body, you go for an ESR because that erythrocyte sedimentation rate is going to be higher. So that fibrinogen that's released from inflammation binds to the red blood cell, makes it thicker, makes it heavier, so that red blood cell drops faster, ESR. It's not a specific test, but it definitely can let us know that we have an inflammatory process in our body, real life, right? For those of you that are in the course, this is why I say when I break down labs, when you look at them, you don't want to just look at it and say, oh, elevated ESR. Oh, they have elevated lymph lymphocytes or neutrophils, you know what it means, right? That's why our nurses come out and they do so well in real life. What are some signs and symptoms that we're going to see? We got our risk factors. Great. Select all that apply question right there. Understanding what we're going to do or what we would expect in lab values. What are some signs and symptoms that we're going to see? Well, obviously we're going to see joint pain, but more specifically, when are we going to see this joint pain? in the morning or upon wakening, I do, I do like that as a better term. So upon awakening, and it lasts more than an hour. It lasts more than an hour. So you've got this pain, morning stiffness, and it will improve with use. It will improve with use. It's an inflammatory process. I said osteoarthritis is wear and tear. Do you think that rheumatoid arthritis is going to be in one specific joint or do you think it's going to be symmetrical? That inflammatory process is not going to just attack one of those joints. It's going after all of them. And it likes to go after certain specific areas in the hand. And what you'll see is that ulnar deviation, ulnar deviation. So their hands will actually go outwards. And yet I'm a horrible drawer. This is my, these are my hands. <laughs> They're going out like this. All right. So you'll see this, and this is called ulnar deviation. We'll also see it's an autoimmune disease. So we're also going to see systemic issues, right? And systemic issues that you're going to encounter with rheumatoid arthritis, if their body's becoming um, inflamed, their body's under stress, they're going to see that low-grade fever under that 100.4. 
if their body is constantly inflamed and have this autoimmune disease, they're going to be fatigued. They may even experience weight loss. So when they wake up, we want to be careful and educate them because when they wake up, they're going to be extremely stiff. And at nighttime, we want them laying down straight. Don't have their joints bent. It's going to make the process worse. So make sure that they are flat. And if they need an immobilizer, let them use one at nighttime because we don't want those joints to get dysmorphia. That inflammatory process is going to also cause tissue swelling. So all this that's going on in their body, now they wake up and for about an hour, they've got this joint pain, this stiffness, this fatigue, this swelling. Tell them to take a warm shower in the morning or a warm bath because we want those joints to get loosened. We want mobility because it's going to take them an hour. And we know that if we are able to have that blood circulation and that mobility, that it will start to get better and better as time progresses throughout the day. So the problem with this is it affects their their daily life, right? Their activities of daily living. Whoops, all this right here are signs and symptoms. Perfect select all that apply question. Joint pain, joint pain uh, upon awakening for the first hour, morning stiffness, improves with use, warm shower, or warm shower is going to be more so education. They're going to experience tissue swelling, weight loss, fatigue, fever under 100.4. It's going to be symmetric, and you'll see that ulnar deviation. Ulnar deviation. Now, that hand, if you guys have not seen a picture of, of somebody with rheumatoid arthritis, I want you to Google it. So with the joints that it's going to affect, so this is your wrist. So it's going to affect your wrist. And then it's going to affect your proximal interphalangeal joints, which are over here. These are your proximal interphalangeal joints. These are your distal. It does not affect your distal and it also affects your metacarpal phalangeal joint. Why is that so important? Because if you just think about this, those joints are going to now become the tissue around is going to be swollen. Those joints are going to become deformed and their hands are going to go like this. So their activities of daily living, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. And that deformity is also going to affect them mentally because now their body image is changing. And that's, it's something that you're going to see all the time. You can't just hide it under clothes. So people are going to start to become self-conscious of it, right? So very important to understand what's going on here because it affects a lot of different things moving forward. So what are we going to do about this? How are we going to treat this patient? We've got to give them medications. Hey, what's up, everyone? Dr. Zishan here, NCLEX High Yield. And this episode is brought to you by my friends over at CBD Stat. They got amazing products. Personally, personally, I use their calming cream, high anxiety, a lot of workload. You guys know how much I work. So I love their calming cream, and then you guys know I love to play ball. So that muscle roll-on is amazing, amazing, amazing. Definitely check out my friends over at CBD Stat, 
cbdstat.care slash nhy to get your pre-healthcare or healthcare work discount. Start with NSAIDs. But what do we know about NSAIDs? Well, we can't chronically take them. We've talked about that, right? Um, I talk about that a lot. With NSAIDs, we can't chronically give it because it decreases that prostaglandin production, which coats our stomach. And when it decreases that prostaglandin, that lining goes away. And when that lining goes away, acid will eat at the lining and it will create an ulcer. So we can't chronically take NSAIDs. And it also causes constriction of the efferent arterioles in the kidney. So the blood supply in the kidney is going to be decreased. So now we're going to have renal issues. So watch out for that person that's on chronic NSAIDs. Because if this person has rheumatoid arthritis, and this is exactly how I would, I would word this question, person comes in with the history of rheumatoid arthritis and it says that I don't need medication. I take um, ibuprofen over the counter four times a day. You're going to be like, wait a minute, which of the following statements needs further teaching for their intervention moment? 100% you're going to be looking at that because you don't want them chronically on NSAIDs. It will lead to ulcers or one of ASGRAF, which is what? Hemorrhage, right? You'll see that black tarry stool. You'll start to see that pain. So we want to educate them that NSAIDs are great temporary relief, but ultimately we want to get them on disease-modifying agents, right? Or rheumatoid, yeah, disease. Um, so the one that, that comes up the most, in my opinion, on the boards is going to be methotrexate. So let's get into some form. So with methotrexate, it is a folic acid or synthesis inhibitor. That's the reason why it can cause neural tube defects. Definitely want to educate your patient, whoever is on it, that it is a teratogen. The lack of folic acid or the production of folic acid or the conversion of folic acid that, that, that is decreased because this person is on methotrexate can complicate the pregnancy because it's a teratogen. We're worried about neural tube defects. So if a person is on methotrexate, and this is the way that I would ask it, and I say this all the time to my students, I go, listen, if somebody's on whatever, or let's just say, forget the question, okay? If you see in the answer choice, if you see in the answer choice, check pregnancy, ask them when the last menstrual cycle was, do a UPT, do an HCG, ask them if they're sexually active. Why did they put that in the answer choice? Well, this is a question that I would ask. Person wants to ask about pregnancy and they're currently taking methotrexate. What are we going to do? Well, we're going to stop it. And what if they got pregnant while they were on methotrexate? We're going to give good. We're going to give folic acid in double the dose. This is not just limited to methotrexate. I also talk about this in psych when we talk about phenytoin, right? And what is the normal level of folic acid that we give? 400 to 800 micrograms. So if we're going to double that, make sure you're giving them 800 to 1600 micrograms. 
So ask them if they're pregnant, make sure they're not pregnant. It is a teratogen. And so think about this, right? If it is a teratogen, do you think that this is a drug that we can use to get rid of a pregnancy on purpose? Absolutely. Absolutely. So now because of its nasty side effect, we can use this drug in ectopic pregnancies. We can also use this drug to terminate and have an abortion. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Methotrexate, you got to tie it all together. You can't memorize. Yeah, if it's a teratogen, we can also use it on the flip side too, right? When you want it to eliminate. Um, this is a safe one to eliminate. Not all teratogens are going to be good for terminating pregnancy. This is actually a good one to terminate pregnancy. This drug is also hepatotoxic. And I'm not talking just like, oh, your liver, check your liver enzymes, which are what? AOT, AST. This is severely hepatotoxic. So this is going to be that further teaching, further intervention moment where it's going to be, oh, you know, um, I'm on methotrexate, whatever. They got prescribed this. and like, yeah, I'm going to, uh, maybe I won't drink a lot. I'll just have like one beer. No, no, no. Or like one glass of wine. No, no, no. Further teaching, further intervention, further understanding moment. Because in this situation, you are going to avoid alcohol. There are three drugs that you need to know to avoid alcohol that the boards love. Not decrease alcohol, avoid alcohol. Metronidazole, so methotrexate, metronidazole. I'll write these down. Isoniazid, isoniazid, metronidazole, and methotrexate. Now, these aren't the only ones that you avoid completely stop, not decrease, not have a sip, not have a glass, avoid. These aren't the only ones, but these are the ones that the boards love asking because they're severely hepatotoxic. These two are, and metronidazole will cause what's called a disulfum-like reaction. A disulfum-like reaction. Some other side effects that you can see is some GI distress, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea. That's shorthand for how you write that. The other thing with methotrexate is it can cause mouth ulcers. So kind of like at the angle of the mouth, kind of look for those mouth ulcers. So what are we going to educate the patient on? Educate them on proper oral hygiene, proper oral care, exactly. So definitely an educational um, point right there as well, too. Ultimately, the issue with methotrexate, or sorry, the, the issue that we're trying to solve is what? Rheumatoid arthritis, which is what? Autoimmune disease. So what we're trying to do is suppress the immune system. 
So you have to educate this patient to avoid large crowds. They themselves cannot get live vaccines, nor can they be around somebody who just received it. Look out for signs of infection because this person's not going to be able to fight it off. So that person that comes in and is on methotrexate or any other immunosuppressant starts complaining of that sore throat or maybe they've got um, some GI distress. Maybe they think they've got the stomach flu or they've got UTI, that's not just some run-of-the-mill issue that we're going to deal with here. you got to be able to identify it. We are freaking out about that because in a person that is on an immunosuppressant that shows signs of infection, which one of the eight of ASK graph is it? Sepsis. Exactly. Sepsis. Hey guys, Dr. Zishan here. Thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you guys could kindly subscribe, leave us some stars, whatever you think it's worth, and leave us a review. We always want to get better for you guys and want to keep putting out this free content for you guys. Hope you guys enjoyed. Have a good one. See you on the next podcast.